0: Uh, Hi everybody, it's so good to see you all, Uh, well I can see some of you on the screen anyway but not everybody, but in my heart I can see you and uh, think of you all often. Um, So I just want to speak, continue our series in James, Um, and, and for anyone who's been in any sort of leadership in these last few months, things have been pretty challenging. Uh, The constant array of difficult decisions that have had to be made, the complex challenges of leading people who are upset and disorientated, the sense of responsibility that goes along with all this, uh, accompanied, of course, by the very real fear of getting it wrong and all the consequences that come from that. It's been tough. Uh, It's been tough for businesses. It's been tough for schools and churches everywhere but this is what I've realized, that what is coming next could be even more challenging. <laughs> so uh, the big questions that uh, surrounding how we lead people out of a global pandemic and resume some sense of normality are great and largely unknown. And for us as a church, for instance, there's still a lot of uncertainty about a whole series of decisions on things like social distancing, how and when we use the building and for what and what about face coverings and are we going to be able to sing and what about the children and the more you go into it the more you see that the whole conversation is fraught with difficulties and amongst us there'll be the whole array of opinions and views on it there'll be people at completely different ends of the scale some who'll be very cautious And others who just can't wait to get together and think the whole thing is one big overreaction anyway. And of course there are others who are just quite happy doing church at home in their pyjamas with a cup of coffee in their hands and enjoy the option to mute me at any time. Thank you, Bernice, for pointing that out on on my Facebook wall this week. But in all seriousness, this is actually quite a tricky environment that we find ourselves in. And if we don't deal gently with one another and show lots of kindness and grace, we could end up with lots of hurt people and conflicts in our relationship. That's quite unnecessary, actually, if we just allow a bit of space for others to work things out. So I just wanted to come out and say all this because I want the conversation to be out on the table. I want this to be an opportunity for us to relate well with one another and to work out the culture of honour that we have in our community and which we've grown to love and value so much over these last 10 years. Because actually I think these kinds of decisions in the next few months will test many of our churches and even reveal a few cracks that have previously been hidden. Uh, And disruption has certainly led to some problems in the Jerusalem church, as we will see in the next part of our series in James. And we're in chapter four now, if you want to get your Bible out. And we see in chapter four that the church is in a bit of a mess and people are falling out with one another all over the place. And so James lays out a challenge right in the middle of the chapter for them, which is church, don't be proud, be humble. And humility is the key for us too. And I know that this might not be an easy time for us as we start to make our way out of lockdown. But as James says in this passage, he gives more grace. And we're going to need it. We're going to need all of it. But I think God does things inside of us. So let me just pray and then I want to just get into this passage with you today so Father, I just want to pray that you will just come and make your presence known as we look at your word. Father, will you just rest upon us. Father, anoint us to hear your word and anoint me as I speak these words for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's an awful lot of details in this chapter that I'm just not going to be able to deal with today. But So I just want to show you... A pattern and uh, how james lays it all out there's a powerpoint slide you won't be able to read all the words but you'll be able to see the pattern hopefully uh, because the main point that james is making is found uh, right in the middle of the passage which is this line about the church not being proud but being humble he says in verse six god opposes the proud but gives grace or favor the humble, and I've highlighted it in red so you can see where we're going to be going to. And above the verse, it's all about pride, verses one to six. Below the verse six is about their need for humility. And verses 11 to 12, which we're not even going to get to today, but they kind of bookend the whole argument with more warnings on pride. And, and James talks to them about and judgment. Okay, I hope that helps uh, by all means, have a look at it a bit later. But the pattern is a Jewish teaching device, which we see in the Psalms and we see in the Proverbs and many other places, uh, where everything is drawn into this central place. It's like there's a big arrow pointing to this verse as James draws us in to this thinking uh, of how to govern the church in the time of crisis. Don't be proud, be humble. So don't be proud, first of all. Let me take you quickly through the top half of the chapter, which opens with James, this question from James. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? I mean, don't you love it when preachers ask, answer their own questions like that? What causes the fights and quarrels? I'll tell you, it's the desires Within you. Now, we don't know exactly what these fights and quarrels were about, but we know that the church was in a great state of upheaval, traumatized by the murder of one of their leaders, which a lot of them had witnessed. I mean, can you imagine? They were scattered, fleeing for their lives, many of them still in hiding. And so it's not entirely surprising to me, at least, that there may have been some pretty raw emotions flying about. But get this, despite their context, James won't allow them any excuses for their bad behavior. No, he expects more from them than that. These violent fights and quarrels among you, he says, come from the wrong desires that are within you. The very desires that he's already addressed in chapter one, which would lead them into sin. And you can see the progression in verse two. He says, you desire, but you don't have, so you kill you covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight and so on. And you do not have because you do not ask God. So not only are these wrong desires harming the individual, as we see in chapter 1, they've now broken out and they're killing one another. They're killing relationships. They're killing the church, which in turn is affecting their relationship with God. It always does. It, because it, their prayers it seems are no longer being answered, so James says, you don't have because you don't ask God, there, there's a disconnection even with God, and even then James says in verse three, "When you ask, you don't receive, because you ask for the wrong motives, that you may spend it spend what you get on your pleasures. And these few verses show us what pride is made up of it's wrong desires, wrong motives. Wrong attitudes, selfishness. And look where it's all leading. Friendship with the world, which isn't friendship with God. Verse four, you adulterous people. I mean, can you imagine somebody addressing the church like that? You adulterous people, so strong. But don't you know, he says, that friendship with the world means enmity. That means hatred of God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world, becomes an enemy, like Satan, of God. An enemy. And then this leads us up to this central command in verse 6, where he reminds them of the proverb, that God opposes the proud, namely, God opposes them. It's pretty hard-hitting stuff. I mean, James isn't the kind of guy you'd want to speak to you if you're going through a hard time. But you see, James wants them to know just how dangerous a place they're in. This is a place that's much more dangerous uh, than the persecutors that seek them. They're working against God himself, siding with Satan. So he says, "You need to humble yourselves." There's a choice you see. Uh, Did you see that? James says, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world, even in the turmoil and relational upset, he says, there's a choice. The world's way of doing things, which has its roots in pride, or that of the kingdom. And, And we've got a choice too in how we choose to respond in times of difficulty. A choice not reflected in the world. I mean, you've only got to look at what's happening all around us at the moment in our nation. There's just so much arrogance and pride in everything. The lies, the dodging, you know, anything but the admission of wrong or even just we made a mistake, guys, sorry. But the world and its systems are built on pride. But I see a humbling of our nation and of the nations of the world. I see world economies being humbled. I see world leaders being called to account. I see arrogant policies being withdrawn. And so many U-turns, I wonder if perhaps they're beginning to listen, and I think we need to pray for a few more U-turns. I see a murky past being unearthed and the beginnings of a nation coming to terms with the pride of a bygone era, era which founded itself on the ill-gotten gains of slavery. I mean, what kind of arrogance is this to subjugate and trade with the lives of human beings who are treated like animals or worse? Now, I'm sorry for this. I'm so sorry and ignorant of so much whitewashed history. But I see the beginning of the humbling of institutions built on the backs of slaves now asking to be forgiven. I see many an authority taking the knee. And previous icons and monuments being pulled down as sordid histories are being seen for what they truly are. And I wonder, is history being rewritten or whether, in fact, it's being properly written for the first time? I don't know what you think about the toppling of some of these statues. I understand why people would want to do this, but I'm also concerned that we don't miss the point. We need to take a long, hard look at ourselves and do what is needed to put these things right in the fabric of our society. And I think there's more to come, and that God is calling us to humble ourselves And for the church to lead in this, which is why at the first opportunity, we took some time to talk and pray about it the other Sunday evening. It's not enough, but that's our hearts. It's why we invited Angela to give us the benefit of her experience. We recognize our responsibility in this. I've often felt drawn to this verse over the last year, and especially in the last few months, in 2 Chronicles 7.14, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from him and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Guys, don't we need that? Don't we need God to do that for us today? Look, I know this is an Old Testament passage But in the Jerusalem church, they were not doing this. And God wasn't answering their prayers. He was even opposing them. Now I don't know how to rationalize this. I don't even know how to explain it for our time. But this is what James warns the people about. And I think he speaks to us too. Church, don't be proud. Be humble. Be humble. Because you see, God gives grace to the humble. Literally, he shows favor. He gives gifts to humble people. So we come to verse 6 now and on to the second half. And from 7 to 11, sorry, 7 to 10, James issues 10 urgent commands to the church, calling them to humble themselves. And I think there's a progression here which leads them into humility. Look, here they are, count them with me, count these commands. Verse seven, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Ten urgent commands, immediate commands. Submit. Submit. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to understand it all. But we can submit and ask him, say, Father, what is it you want from me right now? Resist. Don't side with the enemy. Don't become a friend of the world or the worldly systems. Make sure that you know what kingdom you're from. You know, the amazing thing is resistance is all that it takes for Satan to to flee from you. And come near. Make yourself vulnerable to God. Be in his presence. Be close to him. And you'll find that it's very difficult to be at odds with others. When you come close to him, it's very difficult to be out of relationship with other people. Wash and purify. Ask him for forgiveness. Ask him to cleanse you. Ask him to make you clean from your sins. Even in the pride of our nation and the decisions that have been made in your name. Say, Father, forgive us. Grieve, mourn, wail, mourn over your sin. Reflect on what you've done. Come to terms with any wrongful attitudes. Now, in this whole area of racism, don't rush on to do it. Let it sink in, let God change your heart and then change, change your laughter to mourning. Guys, it's time to get serious and to repent from the heart. Change the way that you think and the way that you live your life. And then only after this, only after all of these commands does James then call the church to finally humble themselves. After these acts of humiliation, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up so what does it mean to be humble because I find a a lot of confusion uh, about humility even uh, with believers what does it actually look like humility is often portrayed as limp and weak and ineffective so let me just tell you first of all some things that humility is not Humility is not about being a doormat. (laughs) I mean, think about it. Jesus, our ultimate example of humility. The Bible tells us that he humbled himself to death, even to death on a cross, but he never gave man the right to take his life. He was no doormat. Jesus is very clear about this when he says in John chapter 10, verse 18, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. There's strength there, right there. Tremendous courage. Humility is not weakness or even powerlessness. Humility chooses the lower place because of love. Love is the motivation. And secondly, humility is not using to take the credit for something. You know, we've all known those times when we've tried to encourage someone for a great contribution that they make. And we say, oh, I love the way that you sang this morning. You know, your voice was amazing. It really touched me. And then the compliment is deflected with a wave of the hand and an airy, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. And you kind of want to get up close and personal and eyeball them a little bit and say something like, seriously, it wasn't that good. Now, guys, take the compliment. Take the encouragement, suck it up and let it do you good. Encouragement is the spirit of prophecy. Now avoiding the compliment isn't a sign of humility, it's actually a rejection of words that are designed to build you up. That's prophecy. And thirdly, humility is not about having a low opinion of yourself. I love this line that I heard from my friend Phil Wilthew uh, when he said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. Just say that again. I think that's good, isn't it? He says humility is not about thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. Now a lot of true humility is actually stolen from us when we constantly go on about how rubbish we are and how unworthy we have been. Because you see, in those moments of putting ourselves down, we're actually drawing attention to ourselves. (laughs) We're completely self-absorbed. We lose sight of the opportunity to wonder at our salvation and the one who gave it to us. And our job isn't to draw attention to ourselves but to point the world to jesus working in us so what does humility look like well james gives us a clue in verse six he says god gives grace and favor to the humble so they are the ones with more grace than you you know they're the people with who live with more favor than you have. They're the ones who love to recognize others and refuse to promote themselves. They're the people who give credit where credit is due. They're the people who don't always have to be right or win the argument. Humble people are honest about their weaknesses and freely admit when they're wrong. Friends, are you willing to be humble, to humble yourself to deal with those moments of pride that causes fights and quarrels and just leave it this time just leave it this time back off and see what happens walk away you don't have to fight you don't have to be right you don't have to see that through because i'm convinced that humility is what will get us through this time and we'll come out the other side as the people that god loves to bless I don't think any of us can escape the turbulent re-entry into the world that many coming out of lockdown are facing at the moment. Now, there are a lot of angry, worried and unhappy people out there at the moment, and sorry, I don't think it's going to get a whole lot easier for some time to come. But the posture of humility is the key. It's the antidote to division the salve of fear and insecurity. People who are humble have a kind of peace about them because they don't have to fight for what has already been won. They don't need to quarrel because they already know who they are. You know, as leaders, (laughs) we'll probably make some mistakes, okay? Actually, I guarantee it and I'm not even being humble. (laughs) But pray for us, and if we get things wrong, will you help us? Um, Will you be gentle with us, as you'd want us to be with you? You Now, as a church, we have a beautiful way of relating with one another in this culture of honour, this culture that we've worked so hard to build over the last 10 years. And I think the Father delights in the culture that we have. So let's operate out of that culture, even through this time. But I'd be remiss if I didn't also draw your attention again to that bigger context of humbling that I think we're experiencing in our nation. These 10 commands that we looked at in James relate to all the injustices that are currently being unearthed in the core of our history. Take it seriously. Don't move on too quickly. Now is the time to weep and mourn and search our own hearts for our part in it too. So what would God have you do? What is your contribution personally to make this right? Church, don't be proud. Be humble. Father God, I know that this is a a, a difficult message uh, but then we're in a difficult time and Father I want to ask you for your grace for your grace to be released amongst us. Father will your presence be with us will you lead us and Father we just want to say as we often say together that this is your church this is your church have your way with us and be glorified in Jesus name. Amen.